Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 334. <laughs> I don't know if Lynn's will be able to get through this intro at all. Nope. Probably not. <laughs> She's uh, a little tipsy. I'm wine drunk. Yes. It- yeah. But uh, we had uh, I had a lot of books that I talked about. You had a lot of books. Yep, uh, all having something or other cosmic within it. I would say, well, yeah, no, cosmic's good. I yeah. was gonna say a lot of Ghost Rider, but he is cosmic currently. And then Galactus, and yeah, then with other cosmic yeah. beings yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Those covered uh, cover. That sounds weird. <laughs> covered cover. Yes. Yes. Which was a great and excellent book. We also explored uh, the dreaming. We did. And I also talked about, I had a book too, you guys, uh, Breathless, the whole series, basically. And then uh, we actually had some news that we talked about, and we were quite uh, excited of the images of the new Captain Marvel movie. Ugh. We can't wait until next spring. I'm very excited about this movie. Yep. So sit back and relax and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 334, Dora the Dream Splora. champions again at team trivia pen 15 club till the end (laughs) i saw you broke your formula there were more people on your team this time yeah uh i was a little little upset about that but we won so that's what counts even though none of them fucking helped (laughs) the main four that i had it, it came down to my uncle and aunt getting invited by my dad which i didn't want to invite not that I didn't want them invited, but I had my formula down, and they weren't going to contribute. I knew that. Right. And throughout the entire fucking thing, my aunt was getting kind of drunk. Yeah, yes. And just blurting out stuff. One of the questions, what what is the most associated uh, sense with memory? Let's smell. Mm-hmm. She goes, what was the question? I'm like, oh my God. So I tell her, orange. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I told her no, smell. She goes, oh, that's what I meant. I was thinking of smelling an orange. I'm like, oh, my God, Aunt Jenny, you just are, you are nothing. And then they're just pissed. picturing this. What's, what's the most associated sense with memory? Orange. I, I bring this up, though, because the category that we got to pick the previous week, because winners get to pick category, was superheroes. Mm. Yeah, they didn't fucking help me at that at all. No. In fact, I did that whole round by myself. Yeah. They started off kind of easy, too, which they had 10, because the guy found another quiz online that he kind of did uh, that had multiple choice. Now, I understand he was trying to make it, you know... Easy for the common folk? Yes-ish. I mean, it wasn't super... It got a little bit harder, but, like, the first question, what is uh, Peter Parker's middle name? William or Benjamin? It's Benjamin? Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Ben. Yeah. You would know that if you knew comics, but it's a 50-50 guess. And there's a couple of them... That were like that, but then they got a little bit harder. Uh, of course, uh, what was it? Uh, like, name Black Widow's real name? Well, they're all kind of similar, so I guess you kind of needed to know her true name. Uh, like, name this character, and it was Galactus. But the second part of it was, 
a like 200 like they were look like 8 bit or 16 bit kind of looking characters on the sheet and it was like a where's Waldo the person said find the Hulk mm. so you had to go through that was an easier one there was a couple of them that were he's like find Wolverine well there's a couple of them that you didn't quite know and it was his old costume too and Jackal that was also a little bit harder to find but yeah I don't know that I would have been able to pull and that then Dazzler on. as well ah yeah and so the common people wouldn't know those right. ones. There was a couple bald-headed men, too. So, like, finding Professor X, you had to kind of tell that because cause he was shorter than some of the people. Because we at first were looking at one, we're like, I'm like, oh, but he wears, like, a suit and tie. And that person doesn't have a suit and tie. Right. Found the shorter suit and tie man sitting in a wheelchair, obviously. And so we won. I asked at the end who who scored he goes us and one other team so i was quite happy that i got nice. them no wrong so my nerdy uh knowledge came in handy and won again Woo. next week uh maybe we might lose i don't know but i'm, I'm hoping for a <laughs> trifecta here and keep on winning at team trivia uh other than that uh you can stop teasing me now and yes that's, that's all that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna leave it at that yes. so fuck you lens for the past six I... months <laughs> It was just motivation. Yeah, yes, it <laughs> I was. I was just motivating you. <laughs> oh, um, let's get into some books. Now, I want to say, as I said last week, that there was, it didn't feel like there was as many books that came out. Right. This week, there was a shit ton. There was quite a few. I didn't think I was going to get to them. They dropped a lot of the Vertigo books this week. Yeah. A well, lot of them. A lot of DC. Well, there yeah. was still a lot of Marvel books. There was all around... For my pickups, a lot of books. And I didn't think I was going to get too many of them. However, we pushed back recording a bit so I could read some more. Yeah. And I actually read a shit ton this week, which I'm quite happy, quite Good, surprised. because, you know, you got to get it in now. Yes. You're going to be busy. Yes. <laughs> and so I have a bunch of them that I want to go over. And I'm going to kind of... I'm trying to weave these together. They're all Marvel books. And they all kind of have one way or another an easy segue into the next you have and a bunch of marvel books you're doing short one, two, reviews three, of these four. right yes yeah, so i okay. have like four all right uh and let's start <laughs> off with avengers number seven because this is where it all started and they started talking about the one million bc avengers mm, again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is the origination of the ghost rider it was such a superb story that I really wanted to talk about it because I've been loving not only the new iteration of Avengers and what happened, what I reviewed the other week with the um, Celestials, Celestials and, and everything. Yeah. This whole thought of Odin having his first Avengers team and everything yeah. has been really cool in, in execution, but also the origins of it. Because it doesn't seem to have broken continuity so much as it kind of just adds some things that weren't really ever there that, that works. And you have this, uh, these cavemen, it's talking about, you know, because that's what he is, a caveman. He rides a flaming woolly mammoth right. Uh, right. ride. And he goes by the rider then, but ghost rider, whatever. Sure. And he is, it goes off with him talking about how he's different than most of the cavemen. How they all fear this and that, they're afraid to go outside, but he has something different about him. And what you come to find out is he's one of the first, like, of intelligent beings back then ah. 
And then this creature comes in that's kind of like a saber tooth like, but you later find out, and I was automatically thinking it already, is the Wendigo, mm. which is a spiritual type mm-hmm. beast that eat, eats on flesh. And because this one was cowering uh, from it, he knew fear, meaning this, uh, what Wendigo named him Ghost, and made him, like, gave him that name. Come search for me. And in searching. He goes out into the vast whiteness, and which is like the no man's land. You don't really go far from your cave in this right. type of environment. Was it, is there snow? Is that why it's the vast yes, whiteness? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that this uh, creature had come to his cave also was like, you know, this creature is powerful. And through this, uh, you know, Mephisto is the devil. Mm-hmm. And what did the devil come back in ancient times? As a snake. Oh, so yeah. So, of course, yeah, come yeah, across yeah. snake and say my name, and then... Say my name. Poof. He comes <laughs> Ghost Rider. It's like fucking Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of it, after this fight and everything, it, it he got... Then he met both Phoenix and Odin and yeah. asked to join for whatever uh, story they're going to have unfold with them. <sighs> there was so much about this and of the character. It just felt so... Refreshing. Yeah. And I, you make sure you tell me if they do a version of that that is the Phoenix. Phoenix. Yes. Because I don't care. These sound like very interesting stories, but, and and I, and they are, and going back that far in Marvel history, I think is super cool, but I'm probably not going to read them, but I will read the one about the Phoenix, obviously. I, I, and actually I have thought of that. <laughs> I would let you know ahead okay. of time. Okay. Uh, so this is going to go into Thanos Legacy number one. Now, we already had the Thanos Legacy kind of book that we saw him at the end of his lifetime where mm. he had won, mm-hmm. and the young Thanos was coming to kill him, Yep. but then he decided not to, and he's now back into our time, and oh shit, he's dead. What we've learned within the Infinity Wars type series is Gamora has finally killed him. I get it, girl. What you find in Legacy, though, is he already kind of knew this, and this is him trying to cheat death, and he has a bigger game to play. Doesn't he know he can't cheat death? It, well, it's you not even cheating. You think have learned that by now. Okay, I should have rephrased that. Not cheating death, cheating his future where he saw uh, his old self winning, which is he wants to win, but not in that way. And so I'm kind of confused on what does he want now, but he's dead. And in this, you see that he kind of knew that this was going to happen. So he set up things. He even went to uh, when Mephisto was taken over Las Vegas within the Doctor Strange series, he goes and he threatens him and says, leave Frank Castle mm. alone. Frank Castle, who becomes the cosmic ghost rider. Space ghost rider. Yes. <gasps> oh my God, I see a crossover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and I'm wondering, so he's trying to prevent that future from happening now, from having his herald bring him about. And so you're thinking, okay, maybe this is going to set up where the cosmic ghost rider isn't within this world. Well... It gets to a point where, uh, oh, also uh, Mephisto tells him about Hela getting married, which happened in Thor number four, Mm. and Thanos showed up briefly, and it was one of those weird things of, did he show up when he was alive or when he was dead, but now we know that he died, so he probably showed up in the afterlife as dead. Right. There's some confusion-ness on what they're trying to do, but I like that they're kind of incorporating some of the different Marvel stories into them without having them be like Spider-Man's in Britain and then Japan and then New York because he's just on all these teams, you know? Right. How they normally always have yeah. that shit happen. But 
what you have is in this story, Cosmic Ghost Rider pissing fire <laughs> onto Thanos' dead corpse. Wow. You just see this fire stream and oh you see God. the zip up and him just being like, you know, good riddance. That's nice. Now, there's like some that. shit that happens at the end of this where um, it's interesting as fuck and I'm curious and it seems like this is going to be the next big thing after this Infinity War because obviously Thanos is not part of it. But we learn that Thanos has a will. And this will is going to be, you know, probably something that's going to be fought after throughout the cosmos. What he has to bequeath to anyone, I don't mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Thane is pretty much dead in the god quarry and Gamora be his only other right. living child. Sets up a mystery. But we had Cosmic Ghost Riders. That's how that connects. <laughs> Let's talk about Cosmic Ghost Rider and Cosmic Ghost Rider number three. Where if I am starting to, to realize, as I talk about a lot, I love continuity. Mm -hmm. Except for when the few times I don't really give a shit because it's a fun story. In this story, I don't feel is set in the main universe proper. Especially because what happens at the end. But what was last seen was there was these guardians of the galaxy... Led by Cable. Right. But you have the the Ducter, or Jugger Duck. Oh, my God. Which, Howard the Duck in possession of the Sidorak yeah, Crystal. Yeah, yeah. You have Captain Marvel, who is Kamala Khan, but mm. she has Captain America's shield now. Okay. Um, you have Iron Groot, who is Rocket, who fashioned a, a mech suit out of Groot. Oh. Somehow that... You know, is Groot still... It, it's not in here. It doesn't matter. It, like, oh, okay. Even in the thing, it, it just goes... Oh, I, so with the having the little word balloons of explaining of them, like the Jugger Duck, he's ducking unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> with the Iron Groot, you know, he's talking about it. He goes, shut up. You like it. And then Jubilee, enough said, so I guess Jubilee was there. Within this, Cable brings so many different teams that those were the only ones that they really explained. They're still trying to fight him because they know that Thanos, under Cosmic Ghost Rider, is going to turn up even worse than Thanos normally would. Mm -hmm. And Cosmic Ghost Rider is like talking about how you know, well, I will make sure that none of this will happen and and everything like that. And I just love that they go, see, nothing changed. Your little speech that you thought would change the 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 you know going, it hasn't. We still came back, meaning our future sucks, meaning. You need to give up the baby now so we can kill it. Oh, that's right. He has baby Thanos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hence why I'm saying I don't feel this is in the cosmic proper right. of Marvel stories. So they can do whatever they want willy-nilly. But also within it, they were on a planet that also had Galactus, which they all forgot. <laughs> they all just forgot they were on a planet with Galactus? Well, Galactus was in the background. They're, the Guardian's whole focus was trying to get Thanos mm. back. So... There's a lot of other shit of other teams being brought back by different cables of different times. Oh my god, was that Gambit with a mustache? Yes. <gasps> Go back to that. I just love... Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> some of the... You, they didn't name them, but you kind of know that they're... Some of them are either amalgams of characters or they are just other characters that, from whatever time... What you continuously see is... Uh, Cable getting older and older, so every time he's come back here, he goes back to the future, mm. carries more people back, and ultimately, it's all for naught, because 
he dies, and you then finally get to see that it's not probably what it's all cracked up to be, but he was trying to, Cosmic uh, Ghost Rider was trying to make sure that the baby Thanos did not see him murdering all these people. He was trying really hard. Unfortunately, when you keep sending all these people back and the Cosmic Ghost Rider has all this power, yeah, there's a lot of death and destruction, and baby Thanos sees it until, with time travel... Oh my god. The adult Thanos comes back with a fucking Punisher skull on his chest. Is Thanos not... That's a cosplayer's dream outfit right there. You yes. see a lot of that at cons, I bet. Yes. <laughs> Thanos kills a lot. So does Frank Castle, the Punisher. Yeah. The combination of the two is terrifying. Yes, and that's why all these you know cables kept coming back saying... You're not the best person to raise this no, child. Don't yeah, do it. Don't do fair. it. That's fair. <laughs> so I want to go to something a little more kind of lighthearted, but not really. I'm actually going to step off from the Ghost Rider and go towards Galactus because we have Silver Surfer Annual Number 1. Now, it's funny, and even though it sounds like uh, you're pissing when I'm it's just pouring, pouring more, more wine. wine. This is Drunk on Comics after all. <laughs> have, have you ever read Silver Surfer? Um, no. One of my favorite characters yes, of all. that I knew. And I have kind of complained a bit uh, back in the springtime when they they had, they had started having Galactus be the life bringer. And I thought that was amazing. You and did. it lasted yep. for a hot minute. And then they decided like five to... five years in comic book time. <laughs> but <laughs> they decided to go back to his old ways within this whole Infinity War thing. And I, I will say this one caveat. I think the best Silver Surfer stories are with a Galactus that needs to hunger. Because what that does is it makes Norn Rad need to choose these worlds, and he's always conflicted in how he's choosing. This is one of those stories. So even though there's not really a Ghost Rider series out right now, we now see that he's helping, and of course annuals can happen at any point when you have an annual. Did you mean Silver Surfer series? Yeah, what'd I say? Ghost Rider. Oh, shit. I was like, you just talked about a Ghost Rider comic book. What are you talking about? <laughs> Silver Surfer. Okay. Uh, and this one is just like all the other ones. He finds a, a place where there are non-intelligent life, and he found a world where... There were these bugs on the surface that were always at war, always fighting. And he goes, they well... look like red ticks. Yes. Actually, yeah. That's kind of, <laughs> I was kind of like... They look familiar-ish. They look like the tick, but red. I didn't know, but when he was calling Galactus, he, he learned something. There was something within the earth here, or this world, that was singing something. And all he saw was death and destruction on the surface... Of these bugs fighting, these bugs uh, killing each other, taking the baby larvae and everything, and he thought eating these, them. These what? are even though they are thinking they are, you know, it'd be worthier to destroy these this bug planet than another planet where they have more advanced intelligent life. The biggest thing within there is what you see on the surface is not always what is inside. When he comes to find out, when he gets captured by the more sophisticated bugs, that that's a defense mechanism that makes people not want to attack the planet because they see the hostile bugs mm. on the surface. And what is 
even more sad is this song that they know that Galactus is coming. They know that Silver Surfer has already put out that call. So they say, listen to our song. These are This is the song of our people, of our lifehood. And through that song, that, that cosmic song, he he gets overwhelmed with despair, with like sadness because he just destroyed the civilization that he judged by the surface, the creatures, not on the inside. And then we get a little bit of something that we haven't really seen within uh, the Silver Surfer comics where Galactus doesn't want to see his Herald in pain. Aww. So he takes that memory away. Aww. I wonder how many times that memory has happened because yeah. the very beginning of this book, ends the same way of looking for a planet, a planet of species of people that haven't found galactic transport or, you know, high technology or anything. A planet of, of bugs. A planet. Oh my goodness, that's our planet. Yep, that the universe would not miss them. Oh, I don't think that that's true at all. <laughs> I just find it so poetic. Yeah. Like, that that's... is a really good story. And it is, like, out of all the other books, I didn't want to really ruin the end that is kind of a big part of this book but it's it's a big reason this i would love to have this page yeah that is a good page silver surfer just looking at this planet that we know is earth is this done by um the all reds Uh, let me get to the title page i don't believe so i know they used to be on the fantastic four you mean on silver Silver Surfer? surfer yeah yeah, that's why I was saying I don't think that they have uh, a book right now. Uh, this one is, yeah, written by written by Ethan Sachs and mm. art by Andre Lima Arazu. <laughs> why do you ask me to do these things? That's why I kind of don't. I just wanted to know. No, and I can tell too though that it didn't look like the Alred's uh, art throughout it. Yeah, the art was stunning. Like, this is the page two when he finds the first uh, they just You so just have to be really good at drawing Silver Surfer from the back if you're doing Silver Surfer. That is true. Like, you have to draw a good ass. <laughs> silver ass. <laughs> it's a good silver ass. <laughs> oh, I have one other book, but it doesn't connect to all those, so I'm going to have you talk about something I want to talk about, too. Okay, so do you want me you want me to talk about the thing we both read first, or do you want me to cover the thing I read Why that you did you didn't? cover your thing that I... That you didn't read. Okay. So, inform me. I actually reviewed the first issue of this book, uh, Breathless, from Black Mass Studios, when it came out months ago. Um, The fourth issue just came out, which is the end of the series. So, it was a very short series written by Pat Shand, whom I love. He writes good stories. Uh, The Art was by Renzo Rodriguez, who I know Pat works a lot of stuff on. Um, so the to set up a reminder, the it's about a girl named Scout who works for a company that catches cryptids, basically, and it's her job to do autopsies on them and try and figure out what's going on in their bodies, basically. Okay. Um, and she also has asthma. <laughs> Hence the breathless Oh, thing. yeah, yep. Because it was a big thing about the cost of her treatment and stuff like that. Isn't that also part of the zombie thing? She Well, she she's doing a, uh autopsy and hits. So She has an asthma attack and nicks. Yeah, and the, the and, spores yes, and the acid. And, 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 and that and was so gross. Her. Yeah, it was super gross. But it cured her asthma. 
Um, so you find out throughout the series that what this company is doing is actually trying to figure out the anatomy of these cryptids to use them for medicine. So it's pharma meets cryptid hunting, which is a really weird combination, but it worked because she didn't know what she was doing, but all of a sudden she shows up to work one day and everyone's dead because her coworker, Grace Isley, that's her full name. Grace Isley, that's her first name. Grace Isley. Isley. Um, <laughs> that's just what her first name is. Uh, they make sure that you know that throughout the book. Because if you call her Grace, Scout will... Anybody that calls her just Grace, Scout will immediately correct them. Because that's not okay. her name. Um, she tweets. Sends out a very ambiguous tweet about the company she works for, Baby Curing Asthma. And that... Uh, is found out by this other pharmaceutical company who doesn't want them to cure asthma. Right, because they're a pharmaceutical company. Their money's in not curing things, just making you feel better, basically. So they are also in the cryptid business, you come to find out. So it's like a warring thing between two companies who both market in cryptids and pharmaceuticals. Which is just a weird thing, but... Starts with a lot of death. There's a lot of murder. There, everyone gets massacred because the one company sends cryptids in to kill the whole everyone at the company the Scout works for. Everyone just big massacre, just blood and guts and things <laughs> everywhere. It was intense, and the whole rest of the series is Scout trying to figure out who's behind it, what's happening, and you know how to get her revenge, basically. Um, they introduce a succubus, who is the most interesting character in the book, I think, because she is like, she's a succubus. So she's very sexual, but the way she trades that for favors is really interesting. That's what I'm always afraid of when I'm dating hot girls, <laughs> that they're just going to all of a sudden <laughs> kill me in my sleep. Apparently she, can, apparently she can give people full body orgasms with just a thought, and I was like... Well, that would be a nice skill to have. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody would give me whatever I wanted at that point in time, I guess. Um, she's got these these uh, two little bat creatures who uh, are like her minions for the time being because she promised to get them off if they did some work for her. And they're, they're like, they're very, uh, they, they're, they're, they're people pleasers. So not only do they want to get off, but they want to make sure they get the job done. But they're written very stupid. Like, their dialogue is written like they're incredibly stupid creatures. So it, that was an interesting read as well. The whole, the whole story was really good, and it's fast because it's four issues. The way that Pat writes the ending of this comic book, I don't want to give away, but... Most of the time when you read books of this nature, it ends with the hero doing the right thing, but still winning, right? That's not what happens in this book. Oh. Scout does not do the right thing. She is not a good person, turns out, <laughs> in this book. She thinks she is, and she thinks she did the right thing. But I would, I would argue that that is very much up for debate. Because she makes a decision that not only alienates 
her friends, but like kind of makes the reader think, oh, I can't believe I was routing, rooting for her this whole time because it was, it was kind of a crazy ass shitty thing that she did. Super crazy. So I would, you would definitely, if you love cryptids, which who doesn't, who doesn't love a good cryptid tale? And if you're pissed off about Big Pharma, which also who isn't? Right? Mm -hmm. Tony's got his own experience with the cost of life-saving pharmaceuticals he has to take all the time. Um, Also a very good book. It's a short read. It's only four issues, so you could totally pick up all of them and blow through them. Again, very good. So, moving on from that, we're going to go into the one that Tony... Nope, nope. you're going to do one before that? Yes, I'm going to do mine, because then we can talk more. Okay, all right. Going into Tony's shit. This is actually... I would say this was my favorite one if it wasn't for my love of Sandman, which we will talk about. Right. So, and I'm steering the ship, so that's the way we're going to head towards. Whatever you need to do. Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about uh, cover number one. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And this book, written by uh, Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, yep. uh, an art by David Mack, uh, was phenomenal. Like, I didn't know what this was going to be about, but I had seen last week and the week before in some of the DC books, these, you know, they have the ads and everything in the books, and I'm like, what is it? Like, this, it looks like a really sweet front cover, but what what does cover mean? I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be a spy espionage book, and those aren't, those don't really throw me, to tell you the truth. Right. So why would I pick this up? Well, when I learned more about what it entails, mm-hmm. I thought, well, that is a very interesting take. And before I get to what it all entails, I want to start off with, again, Bendis is, uh, I'm not going to deny he's a great writer. He ticks me off sometimes. You have a love-hate relationship with Bendis. Yes. And I think that he's always done a great job when he does dialogue that's not forced but feels real. And he is able to convey that a lot in his books, but sometimes goes a little overboard. All of this with the, throughout this entire book felt uh, natural. Sure. It opens up with a page, um, which I was showing you, of a Comic-Con. And so this is kind of the setting for this entire thing. So this is the real world. And this feels real when there's just word balloons. It doesn't matter to which person... It is. It's just a crowd of people in cosplay or people just talking, people interviewing people. Like, I love, like, man, I spent $8,000 on this costume and I lost to a costume of someone wrapped in tinfoil <laughs> doing the robot. That is something that I feel would happen. At yeah, a, that is. And the person who spent $8,000 on their costume would be very pissed. But some of these word balloons kind of follow the other ones. Like, I think it was more about presentation and blah, blah, blah. Or can't find anything. It's limited edition. Where are the pretzels? You see that guy dressed as well, and you just kind of then, the next... I have very much often asked, where the fuck are the pretzels at cons? <laughs> <laughs> so, that is true to life. <laughs> and you just see the artist alley, you see, you know, people with... I'm wondering if they drew some of their friends as some of these particular people, and without them having, like, big names, like, in front of them, or anything that you could really tell... I don't know. I was trying to find some Easter eggs. I'm sure the internet will yeah. in a day or two. However, with the art, the art changed throughout this, and it changed really uh, amazingly to 
very simplistic, and I don't say that in a negative way. It just it's how the story progressed and in the way that they use colors throughout it as well. But you finally get some dialogue with one of the main characters named Max. And one of the funny things is you can tell that these Max, as well as his buddy, who's another person at the con, artist or whatever, right behind him in the booth, we know how these booths are set up at conventions. Oh, and yeah. usually you're kind of by some people that you know so you can chat with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some dialogue thro- throughout them. Uh, but you see this woman come up who is a fan of of Max and feel Max is, is David Max. Yeah. And this other mm-hmm. little person that pops his head out multiple times who is clearly bald is, is Michael David or Brian Michael uh, Bendis. And... Because of that, I'm like, okay, this is even more... It's I, meta. I, I like that. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to come up with a, a look for these new characters. Just draw them after... Draw yourself. Yeah, or yeah. kind of pull some stories because this is supposed to be a real world, not a world of superheroes. These people draw superheroes. These people draw comic books. Right. So you're not going to have any of that in their world. But one of the most... Uh, this is probably the only caveat that I will have that felt unreal... Which also is a shock of the book, so they went for it, was this lady who was a fan of, of this artist's work wants to buy a um, picture. or And he goes, do you want prints? And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm not a casual. I want the you know original art. And she's like, how much? And he's like, 800 bucks. She goes, that's it? And she's like haggling him with like to bring it up. She goes, what about these three? And he's like, what happens within the comic book world is they will give you deals when you buy more stuff. Yes, they will. And whether you know them or not, the discount of the deal is you buy more art, they will be happy to take your money. Yeah, especially if you're buying the, the expensive shit. Yes. And she's just like, no, this is your 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 work, your blood. You put your soul into this. Yeah, nobody does that. Yeah, you don't, dis- <laughs> you don't discount your soul. And that's where I was like, you need to, and that's where you first see Bendis speak out. <laughs> And it's even afterwards that... Not like, only is he peeking out, but other people are also, like, their heads go go back up uh, to the... Yeah, you see other heads popping in to see, like, wait, yeah. what's going on over here? Yeah, like, this person is <laughs> she giving up? real money. <laughs> and then, yeah, and I just love that that the, <laughs> the Bendis character, Owen, he goes, I wish I knew more languages so I could say fuck you in all of them. <laughs> And he's you like, know that he's like to... showing the money. He goes, so he wants some. Like, you know that has to happen at cons too. When you're right next to a, a tape, say you're sitting right next to Dan Doherty, right at a con, and you're watching him sell fucking book after book after book, and you're like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know that has to happen. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I love that uh, one of the the book that um, Max did was the Ninja Sword Odyssey and. What you get is kind of a glimpse almost into the artist where within the panel shows the artist in within the book or within the story drawing part of his, uh, oh, his thing. And this, yeah, this is where uh, Max, like, art shines. Like, yeah. these this watercolors. Is, I was say, this is where it switches to his, his watercolor style, which he uses a lot in books, and I think oh, it's beautiful. So, yeah, so beautiful. And, and what happens, too, is 
the story progresses to where this whole book is about. These uh, these artists are at multiple different conventions. You even have them up on a panel. Like they got everything that you could that was real within an artist's time at these conventions. So you're reading this, and for some people that may not get to that, they're like, "Oh, this is interesting," or "I didn't know they they did this." For me, it's like, "Holy shit, this is a real book." Where's the twist? And the twist comes when that same girl again. Julia comes back and wants to have dinner and explains that she works for the CIA. And when she's talking about for infiltration, he's like, "How? why are you here in this town? Well, she has a assignment. She goes, you know, you can get into almost any city in any town undercover of being an artist. And then he doesn't take her up on, on that. He's like, I got my book. But this is where this world is going to. It doesn't explain him saying yes or no. There is kind of a cliffhanger at the end. But what you see is this is building up to having comic creators be CIA operatives, spies. I'm not going to be able to go to a con and look at everybody the same anymore. I know. I'm going to be like Dirk Manning. Now we know why we, you always cover your face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's too true. I I just like I said, and this is the sort of thing too. I I like reading comic books to escape the world. So I like the superhero books or the the supernatural, the Walking Dead's and the Spawns and everything else in between. This sort of stuff doesn't intrigue me enough, except for this is on the nose that it seems like it literally could be true. It to me, it seems like a writer. Going, you know what I always thought would be cool to be in the CIA. You know what I could be in the CIA because I go everywhere. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of this that is wish fulfillment yeah. that I'm yeah. sure they were like, God, I wish someone would come up and just pay full price, <laughs> like <laughs> more than full price. <laughs> yes. So yes, this it, really good book. I like I said, the whole Jinx world. I really haven't read a lot of Venice's solo stuff and I really I picked honestly it was the cover that was yeah. in a preview yeah. so I judged that the book by its was, cover and that cover was really great uh because it had the silhouette of the spy like your very traditional silhouette and you don't even see that at first because you're busy looking at the watercolors that David Mack does before you even realize that they've done it in like an outline of a of a spy so it was a very beautiful cover yes so good good fucking david mack and he uh what was great at the end of this too was uh there was a little like afterward i guess from um bendis talking about david mack's like work and here's some things that he's done Uh, on the dc also explaining some more of the jinx world some past stuff like powers and everything are going to be reprinted and there's more news and some more books that are coming out there are a couple. There's another one, USA versus Murder Inc., mm-hmm. which I wasn't too like keen on, but it could be a great book. I'm not distant. I haven't read it, but there's there was other two books that came out. I think two weeks ago as well yeah. that were new, Scarlet well, and I forget what the other. And well, and Border Town came out this week too, which I don't know if that's in the same realm. Realm, but that's okay. another Vertigo. But yeah, so there's yeah. more of these Jinx World books that are being published through DC, right? Since he's there now, he might as well have everything under one it's, ship. It's Bendis' world now. But one of the one of the greatest uh, covers that I love back here was what he had for Sandman. 
And this, oh, from David Mack. Yeah, yeah. And it was just so beautiful that that's a great segue into the next book that we're going to talk about. But yeah, Sandman Universe number one, the variant cover. Oh yeah, his shit's awesome. Ugh, you gotta know his. Like eight hundred dollars for if if he was if that was a representation of David Mack and that was an actual price of like a page and original art from his it's worth eight hundred dollars yeah easy <laughs> easy easy all right so that ties into the one we actually both read yep the which dreaming does not number happen one. very often I know well but I'm so glad I knew you were gonna read this one too so. I did make a point to read it because I knew you were going to read it. Yes. It's like we're in tune. <laughs> yeah, for once. <laughs> and I want to, I'm going to have you mainly talk about it, but I want your, just an overall, what'd you think? It was good. Yeah. Um, I thought it was actually pretty amazing. So uh, this is when, so um, when I read the, the first issue that they did, that was kind of like the start of the new Sandman books. This is the one I knew I that I was going to be most interested in because it, Me as well. it introduced this new character, Dora, Dora, who I find very intriguing. And um, it also focuses on the dreaming, which is broken right now. And I really like that they, um, in this book, they talk about how, well, this isn't the first time that dream the master, whoever has disappeared. They even mentioned that he had been gone for like 70 years Previously, and that goes back to when he's been imprisoned before, right? So they kind of are. They're still talking about what has happened, but it wasn't like this where, right? Things were fracturing and fucking right. up so much. And I like the way they're throwing stuff in there and like explaining it, but in a way that's not like in the past. You know, this has happened before, but not to this extent. Like it, it adds it to the dialogue in a way that you're like, oh, well, that's good to know. I didn't read any of the books before but now i know something about what happened in the past it may make you want to go find out more about that and it feeds into what's going on now i love that lucian is a narrator and so matthew even goes wait were you doing one of those narrating things again (laughs) when literally he was narrating on like the panel before and then gets him to be dialogue because it shows him where he's just talking to the general reader right within the magic of the story that's what happens and there's so much within this book that I love. One of the things, though, that I will state when these uh, these blank faces are oh, coming yeah, out. Oh, yeah, the putties? That's what, exactly what I thought. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Whenever I see humanoid, mouthless, yeah. like, eyed people, I think of putties from Power Rangers. Yeah. I don't know why, it's but well, they will always be. I mean, maybe that's my first ever scene of these type of beans but it it makes sense though because like putties were like basically your generic baddies right that Mm -hmm. they would just send to cause problems on earth and they weren't molded past that and these are blank slates as well they haven't been bored into anything yet is what i gathered from the and and dora who every time I like Dora is just that name is tainted for me because I have a child and I spent a lot of years watching Dora the Explorer. <laughs> so, <laughs> but she she takes one of these putties, is what I'm going to refer to them now as, and like gives him like a David almost like a David Bowie Star Child makeover because he's got yeah, like the that, the pink over his yeah. eye. So I don't know. I I mean 
I would imagine that's probably a direct reference. But the fact that her interacting with this this blank act in the end ends up influencing it and giving it almost a sentience just tells me that these are blank slates and they were meant to be something. But where are they from? Where There's are so they from? Right. What, and what's going on? Yeah. Like, there's so much mystery within this thing. Even when they talk about Dora, who people don't know who she is, where she comes from, that there are a few creatures that need to sleep. Like, they, they're not saying there's absolutes of, but most of these abstract concepts who are made, like, manifest, humanoid, right? they don't sleep, they don't dream, they don't need to eat, they don't need sustenance, and yet... She does. She sleeps. Which makes her a different being altogether. Yep. And it leads more to the mystery then. She's not just a concept. She's something else. Well, not only that, she can hop between realms or into dreams, dreams. easily, which is not something you're, I guess you're supposed to be able to do, from what I gather. Um, and she just, bloop, right in there. But not only <laughs> that, she even has mysteries that she's trying to solve, such as... Why are there random trinkets being left at the tree that she lives in? Why is she getting these uh, weird treasures that come about? They And they are weird. They're like broken things. and But she loves them. Like, it's not even like somebody's leaving. To anybody else, This people would just be leaving trash on your yard. Yeah, yeah. It's like a broken tea kettle or a glove without one of the fingers or just all this stuff that's different and off a little bit and she loves it which i think is meant to give you an insight into her character right mm -hmm. she loves it because she's the same way she's a little bit broken a little bit off different from everything else so that was just a nice artistic way i think to but also who's doing this mm -hmm. <laughs> And I love when she's jumping through realms, what she's taking uh, from those dreams. Uh, sometimes can manifest in the real world, sometimes doesn't. It's kind of interesting what is real and what's not when it comes to the dreaming. But what was even more crazy was besides jumping into the dream, she could jump, jump out of the dreaming right. and into entire other realm at least one other realm that we knew of and that in of itself was like she's got some power yeah who is she and i know they're never going to explain it Ugh. soon but you know the moment that you get that reveal yeah it's gonna be like holy shit and i have a theory okay and before we start talking about more my theory is i feel she might be the daughter of dream and a human Okay, the original dream. Yes, right? Not and the current it's one. yes, because the original dream, and that's why she has these powers, but that's why she has human-like tendencies. Mm, she's got those fucking weird-ass wings on her head. Yeah, well, it's just uh, I don't know. Well, she also turns into a monster at yes. points too. She seems to be able to turn into a demon as well, and it's I don't like it. Sh that also throws me off of maybe she's not dream, but maybe she's part of dream as a nightmare but i don't know it's mm. she obviously says she's broken at the end which is part of why there's broken things is there okay so this is going to show my obvious lack of knowledge of this world is there a, a nightmare to the dream is there there's a, not a uh opposite in, but there are nightmares that are there that are physical beings but that there's can not interact. there's not a, a end-all being nightmare like there is a dream no. 
Dream is dream oversees everything. Okay. He's even in charge of nightmares. Okay. Because right. you dream of nightmares sure. in that consciousness right. that is the mind. Uh, I will say, probably in what made me laugh one of the most was when she was able to jump to a whole different uh, realm uh, with a with a Duke of Hell, which I thought this was going to then spill in a little bit to the Lucifer story, but he's just a Duke, and so there are Dukes still in Hell, right. whether... Lucifer's there or not, and also, you know, you can, hell means many different things to many different people, and uh, doesn't need to be the one hell that Lucifer is from, but uh, he's going like, I am Balaam, and powerful Duke of Hell, and blah, 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 and this is my seal, this is my seal, this is my, ah, and then you see that they're fucking. Right, right, you think maybe they're just fighting. Yes. Yeah. And that was so, I would did not see that coming pun intended and <laughs> sorry that was a good one <laughs> you don't have a lot but that one was good <laughs> thanks but uh, the weird thing for me with that whole thing was the bear and when she was like the bear was making eye contact the whole time and he's like you know the bear is just part of me we can involve him next time yeah <laughs> well that's also part of the concept of this being yeah so the bear is so it's it lets the reader know though that it's not a uh, other beast's consciousness right. of itself these concepts become whole even with the random flaming goat heads behind him as well that's just part of his look and his astrological right. magical get up this whole thing of when she's bringing him what she found just to get like something that tastes you know so unique was the, great in how it happened the berry off of a tree that was created entirely for torture because the guy that apparently was given the torture keeps reaching for the berries on the tree and the tree shrinks away from him every single time he reaches for it. So not only do you get that she he's just she's just getting this berry, but you're also getting like she's getting this torture berry. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. seem to to no. really care. She's very she seems to at one point within the original um, Zero issue of the Sandman universe, she seemed kind of good. Mm -hmm. This makes her seem kind of bad, and I see her more as an anti-hero type. She's like a little chaotic neutral. Yeah. She's just doing shit for herself. Very much so. Yeah. And I honestly don't want to give too much more away of what happens from their uh, discussion. Sure. But I will say that there is... Some great dialogue um, that comes from Eve, who, Eve, the first of, you know, of humanoids. Right. Uh, and talking about, uh, she has many names and how, you know, she is of story. And I love when they kind of take these concepts, especially uh, theological ones, whether it be Greek mythology or Christian mythology. And when they put them into this world of dreaming... Because stories have power, and that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. And religion has some of the most powerful stories, so I love when the writers do that. Whether you agree with that or not, I think most people, whether you believe in one religion or not, can. when you're reading a comic book, I hope you're more open to right. just accept this is a magical world where these things can interact. Right. Um, yes, there, there was some great dialogue even of the end, which even though I knew um, it was a trick... Which, by the way, I love that uh, we know that the 
Balam is the the Duke of uh, Cunning and uh, and uh, what's it called? Cunning and uh, and curses. Mm. So Cunning was used to outmaneuver him towards the end of this book, and it just it leaves. I, I didn't want the pages to end. I thoroughly thought that there needed to be more, and that last page, even then, for me who knows the mythology of the endless and everything, I'm fucking confused. Yeah. And I'm thoroughly pulled in. Don't know if all the other books will pull me in as much as this one will, but I'm sure they will because I think they all are going to connect in one way or another. And I wonder how long this mystery lasts before they have the new story arc. Yes. You know, because you can't have Dream missing the entire series that you plan for multiple years because then it just doesn't make right. sense um can we talk about this mask a little bit because it's super creepy for me and i don't understand what it's for like is this something they use a lot this mask that makes them look like a mosquito <laughs> it does so the helm or whatever it is it comes from originally uh the different uh sandman character okay and when neil game was making this sandman it has to do with uh, the helm, there's the sand, and there's the amulet. Those three things give him more power than he has. Okay. Uh, I can't remember all the uses for it. Um, it has been some years since he got him taken, but even in the overture a couple years ago, explained a bit more about what they do. Okay. But they also don't explain everything that it does. It's more for him to look scary well, it is pretty scary looking um my only other question about this thing this book is really good i mean again not having come from reading any of the sandman stuff it's nice to know that you can just read this book and not be overly confused having the back knowledge obviously adds to the story probably a little bit more because you have more knowledge about who the characters are and stuff but at one, I'm trying to find it in the book, but at one point in time, one of the characters refers to uh, Dream being missing and says something about the elder Dream being called to bring him back or like being pissed that he's gone or something like that. So what do they mean by that? Are they going to bring back the other Dream? The other Dream is, is dead. Yeah, that's what I thought, not even from having read the books. That's what I understood. But they make the reference to him. Is it just kind of like a whole, he'd be turning in his grave sort of thing, yeah. you think? Okay. <laughs> like, they're adding a whole new element to this book that I don't need yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, very good. Written by Simon Spurrier, who is really great at writing otherworldly sort of uh books the last book i read by him was the spire which was very good so i'm not surprised that he's doing a really good job on this book <clears throat> the artist on this i cannot pronounce his name it's like it's something out of tolkien his name is like philquist or something like that what yes <laughs> what philquist everly what <laughs> he's it sounds like he should be taking the ring to mordor <laughs> <laughs> but again very good so, and I have to, actually have to give a shout out to the letterer on this, Simon Boland. The lettering in this was awesome because I felt like they gave each character its own distinct 
lettering, which I feel like lettering is kind of just a lot of time it's done digitally even. Mm -hmm. And it, this might be done digitally as well, but they took the time to like make distinct fonts for each character, which I appreciate. Oh yeah, for sure. Like each one. And I love too, because it's their own kind of thing. They can swear. So like when Matthew says, Oh shit or something yeah. like I, although you can interpret when you're reading one of the mainstream books, these are adult books, so you you know. Right. Just let us read what they're meant to mean, because it sometimes will take you out of the moment of like, oh yeah, this is written for kids. Yeah. Now it's like, well, there's blood and guts in this, so right. yeah, it's not really necessarily written for kids no, either. No. Uh, this isn't a review, but I do have to mention I finished reading I Hate Fairyland last week, like the whole series. I reread the whole series, oh, okay. one to twenty. Speaking of not being able to swear and using euphemisms <laughs> for it, um. That book, fuck you, Scotty Young, because that book ended, mm, the ending of this book was so infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone that reads this, go and read it, but I guarantee you that the ending of this book is not going to give you any satisfaction whatsoever. <laughs> so there's that. All right. Um, well, also talking about books, one of my favorite books, The Fantastic Four, uh, what we've learned within the previews coming up is that both Val and Franklin are going to be older when they come back to the Marvel proper, which is great because they've only aged ever so often within the past 20 or so years that they've been it's weird. introduced. It's a weird thing. I mean, even when Franklin was first a baby, I mean, it's been well over 20 years, but now he's yeah. kind of only a teenager and also has a younger sister who right. also within the comic books... Because she's so smart, like, that's her kind of power, mm -hmm. even though she doesn't have power. And also, what I love, remind everyone, that Franklin is a mutant. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That, so he has actual superpowers. Uh, that she is just as smart as her dad, who I would always rank Reed is the smartest Marvel person ever. Yeah. Regardless of all these other people that say things, there's not, I think, a single one that couldn't say if you had to put someone at the top of that list, it would be Mr. Fantastic as the smartest. There's debate on everyone else, but um, Val would definitely be coming into her own within uh, that sense. So we also get uh, some new uh, nicknames for them coming up. Like and superhero that, names? Yes. Powerhouse and Brainstorm. Oh. So this is just all kind of from the previews that uh, for Fantastic Four number two coming out, and that those are very Fantastic Four style names. Yeah, like they're just cheesy enough to be Fantastic Four names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes, I'm looking forward to hopefully the next one is supposed to be them finally reuniting. How old do you think they're going to be when they come back? I think they're going to age. You know, did space age them? Well, they've been gone from the Marvel proper now for, I think, real life years. I think three. It was 2015, okay. 2014 when that Secret ended. Secret Wars or whatever. Is yeah, that when so, they left? So three and a half, three and a half years ish. Okay. Um, I, don't know, I can't do the year math, but within they they're also like in Marvel time though too, which is always fluid. They say they've been gone for years. People keep talking that they've been gone for years. Sure. So when the Marvel Universe got remade, have they been out doing all these other things and 
with what we last knew was going on with the Molecule Man and how they had the powers to create universes, that's when I'm more interested in how they're going to lose that power mm. and what's going on with all of them. I just can't wait to read some more stories, but really figure out how they tie back into the world. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, something random that we both had to do some research beforehand when we heard. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, there's many different Emmy Awards. There are. There are so many Emmy Awards. It's crazy. I only knew about the daytime and the nighttime Emmy right. Awards, but there is now the... Creative Arts Emmys. Yes. Which is like, when the Oscars air, you see the main Oscars. But prior to the Oscars, they have this whole award ceremony that's like the technical Oscars, and that's basically what the Creative Arts Emmys are, except they also do like guest appearances and stuff like that. So you can still say you got... An Emmy. Or an Oscar, yeah. but just you weren't on the big show and you right. weren't... What they really no, consider. Nobody wants to watch you win one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still an honor to win. <laughs> so, Rick and Morty won uh, for Outstanding Animated Program for the episode of Pickle Rick. I'm actually surprised this one's not included in the Primetime Emmys. Like, this seems like an actual valid... Because they have Best Animation in the Oscars, right? Yes. I Well, I feel that it it's getting... Before, though, they had that... There was no animated. I feel that it should, Especially as you said. for nighttime, primetime Emmys, instead of daytime Emmys. But I think, though, too, maybe... Be, well, yeah, because then I guess Simpsons. But I think Simpsons is sometimes in comedy as well. I think Simpsons... I just don't think they have the this category that is also one of those other categories yeah. that they kind of just made up for things. Yeah. But anyways, that was a fucking great episode, and a lot of people... Pickle Rick! Yeah. T-shirts, merchandise, yes. everything. It spurred a lot of fervor. And fuck, that whole show, though, deserves an it's Emmy great. for like it's, how great it is. Yeah. And I can't wait till it comes out. I know. Um, but speaking of uh, different awards and everything, so the Academy has decided that they are not going to necessarily be doing the most popular film category. Now, I bring this up because, A, it was just two weeks ago when it came about, I believe, that they were talking about how they wanted a most popular film category to satisfy all the fans that say the Academy Awards fucking suck in their nominations. Right, because people don't understand that these are awards given by the Academy and not by fucking people or box office. But not only that, though, but they are old fucking people they who are, are nominating people. these films who don't have a clue of They are old and some good mostly movies. white men, yes. Now, when it comes to, you know, the Academy, uh, a lot of superhero movies get overlooked. Yeah. Except uh, for visual yes. awards and, like, sound effects and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, like, actual acting and, like, best picture and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and there are some yeah. movies that, sure, like, A Reign of Spider-Man, even though I loved it. Yes, I think there's been, there's better overall quality right. movies, but then there's shit like, uh... Black Panther was one of the big ones that not only visually stunning, ethnically, uh, like, exploring uh, any other labels you can say of a, right. of a movie. Yes, it was a superhero movie, but it was a huge right. movement and event within the whole movie realm. Right. Another one I would say also is Infinity War. Sure. Because of everything that built up to it, mm -hmm. you can't deny that, A... It also made so much fucking money, yeah. but 
there was a huge there's other reasons besides it just being a visually great fun movie right that's kind of why they made this category but with those uh not say those those people who are enjoying these movies there's a giant backlash of saying so you're just giving us this other category. It's funny because it totally shows the dichotomy between what the fans of the movies want and what the people who are in the movies want. Like, the people who are in the movies don't want this throw-off award, right? Oh, you made the most money at the box office. People went and saw you the most, so we're giving you this award. They want to be best picture on their own merits. And not only that, but just included in it. Right. They don't, the Academy can still vote any which way, but to even say that you are nominated right. for it. I feel some of these, not all of them, right. but some of them deserve right. that nomination. And Agreed. I know they also used to have only five five films and then they extended it to ten one year. I don't even know what it is now because I don't really watch the awards it that much. On the year. Yeah. But, you know, they've tried to try it, but I just think that they need to have a better... Because it's always indie films. And although indie films are great, and I do think they should have respect, mm -hmm. there are multiple other... Uh, awards that indie films can get. Right. Infinity War or Black Panther can't go to those places no. and clean house. I feel like blockbusters, specifically uh, action movies and comic book movies, get overlooked by the Academy because of the types of movies that they are. I feel like Heath Ledger probably only won because he died. If he hadn't died, I, well, he no no he don't get me wrong he was fucking great in that movie. Oh, but you don't think they would have voted? I don't on think him. they would have voted for. And it. I think you're correct. Right. I I mean he he would have for sure got the nomination. Yeah, he was nomination. amazing in that movie. Yes, but I don't I, think he would have won. I, I believe I yeah. even though I do think he deserved it and he should have won. Right. The way that the old people right. that would vote for it, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have looked at it the so, same way. And it, it is a tragedy. These movies are great. They're they're not the X-Men movies. <laughs> like, yes. you know, it's not it's not like we're watching the first Fantastic Four movie or the Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren or like even the Wonder Woman show from the fucking 70s. Like these are great movies and they have great actors in them. Like these actors you got Robert Downey Jr., fucking Mark Ruffalo. Like these are big ass really good well-paid actors. And you're kind of like more so than anything, telling them that they're not doing movies that are worth anything. Mm -hmm. I would argue that the box office proves otherwise. <laughs> I can't wait to see uh, Deadpool do their uh, oh my god <laughs> their run up to oh. the <laughs> awards to be nominated like Fucking... they did last time. Yeah. <laughs> do you uh, do you know about the twenty four hour comic book day? I do. I do All know right. about this. So uh, this year it's going to be on October third. Sure. And. It is a day that celebrates comic books made within a 24-hour. Yep. You can have you could have an idea, but you can't have a script. You can't have everything written out or pre-drawn. And you come and you have 24 hours on that yep. day to create a comic book. Yep. And much like Inktober has turned into a huge thing, this has slowly turned into a huge thing since, but I believe it's 2004 when the first one was was made. I know these things because I was talking to my friend Cassidy about her being involved in this and then lo and behold i learned that dc is doing blank cover slash blank books to have uh people to have the whole book already kind of stapled together right. that you can make your 24-hour book in i look at this as 
that's kind of cool that you could make it within, you know, official. There's three of them. There's Superman, there's Wonder Woman, and there's a Batman with right. their emblem on there. But then again, at two ninety nine, that's two ninety nine. But then again, well, but two ninety nine though for pages. Well, it, and I'm wondering if this allows them to. It's kind of it's it's a way of DC saying, go ahead and draw a Batman book. Like normally, we wouldn't let you draw this and then sell it because it's a property that we own. But by buying this, you're we're allowing you to then, maybe yeah. They're trying to hope that right. you would think to draw do a story right. of that and kind of get around the whole fact that like this is a licensed property that normally you wouldn't be able to draw and sell yeah yourself. but i always felt though that the the 24 hours is supposed to be a, more original and i don't it, it'd yeah. be weird to draw a whole comic book on a batman book that's not related to batman but i've seen lots of cover on these blank covers where they've drawn stuff not related to the title at all so here's the idea that i got though now that i found that they're going to be selling these blank books and saying that it's a waste to buy these, I am buying one of these. Yeah. And I plan on buying a Batman one. Oh my God, you can take and it to cons. I'm going to take it to cons. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to ask my artist friends yes. to start a story. Oh, that's And then the next person that I give to, I'm like, you have to read up to what they did. You know, draw yes. like a page or two for the next. And then it would be a full story. That's awesome. That artist created no, from great. reading it. And then mm -hmm. like the last person, like, you're the last person. You get to finish it out somehow. Yeah. How cool that is, is that going to be? That is, the minute you started talking about this, that's like instantly what came into my mind. And I'm like, oh, he came up with a genius idea. You know, I, think I also just thought of it. So <laughs> that means it's really smart. Yeah, I don't want, I'm going to delete this part. Of the, because <laughs> now really everyone's going to start doing it. And then someone's going to be like, it's, I already had 10 people ask me to do this. And... To, yeah, to be fair, the artists aren't going to do this for you for free. So just oh, yeah, keep this in mind. Yes. Not you, the listeners. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't something the artists are just gonna do for you for free. They're gonna, they're gonna charge you for this. Give David Mackey yeah. hundred bucks for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it could get pricey depending on who you ask. But it, it is a very smart idea. I love jam pieces where you have somebody draw something and then you keep having yeah. artists add. And this is just, takes it to a whole nother level. Yes, which is super it, cool. Also, it, unless you, because I don't want to come up with a story either. I don't even want to read it until it's done. I'm right. going to find... I'll find out how many pages, because if they want to do one or two or whatever, that's up to them. Be like, here, draw something, make your panels, oh, make something. I and feel then... like you could do it in a couple different ways. You could have artists just draw and leave word bubbles blank, and then have a writer go in and fill in the words. Or you could go the writer-artist route, where they do both. That's what I was thinking, or maybe there's a couple different... Uh, like writers that will take the pages, draw at the bottom there their thoughts and cues of right. what they and have an artist see, do it and then it do it. Oh, but now so it, this is ways. honestly like yeah. I, I don't usually get a lot of because I've always thought about a sketchbook, but I'm like I don't know. But this would be something yeah, so that's, cool. That's super cool. That is that is a good damn idea. you DC for giving me this idea <laughs> and spending more money. Um, I have. Three quick things and then uh, a little longer discussion. Uh, Doctor Who's coming out October 7th. So can't wait for... The Lady the Doctor. 11th, I'm 11th very Doctor. Yep. I am not... I'm not... Or not the 11th, uh, the 11th season. Yeah. Not a, not a Doctor Who Doctor. fan. I know it's what? kind of blasphemous. I just... Not saying it's a bad show. I just don't... I've never watched it and it's very time consuming to catch up. I feel like I would have to watch all of it. Not the old stuff, all of the new stuff, 
before I watch the new season. But you I'm, should and you would. But maybe might... though, this is a new. This is a place for you to start. It is. It is. And it'll just go to prove that adding a female doctor to the cast will bring more viewers in. So I feel like I need to do it out of principle. <laughs> All right. Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I always thought they got picked back up by Netflix, but it was actually NBC who oh, originally this... produced the show for Fox, but they own the rights. And then when it shopped around. They're the ones that picked it back up. Okay. Originally, for 13 episodes, they've expanded that to 18 episodes. So that's a good sign. Yep. I think they know this is what people want, mm-hmm. and hopefully the show keeps on going. But if they are planning to end it, end it in a way that you can end the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's the show Timeless that only lasted like two seasons, and I forget which uh, series or what uh, network it was on, but they're giving it a two-hour two ending to kind of wrap up the show. We need to see more of that, please. Stop ending like it wasn't meant to end. Yes. It got canceled. Fucking figure it out. <laughs> um, we also uh, have the newest uh, Iron Fist that's out, and there's been a lot of positive reviews. I watched the first episode. It was better. Yeah. I will 100% say that. So I haven't watched the whole season but That's good. I'm, I'm hopeful. You were not impressed He's, from yes, the first episode no. of the first season. But I got hopeful within watching the new Luke Cage. Yep. And he seems to be less of the whiny bitch right. and more of the zen stoner surfer dude. Which is good because that tells me it wasn't a acting flaw. It was a writing flaw. Yes. You can't fix an acting flaw, but you can fix a writing flaw. Yep. Um, the last thing, and it has to do with uh, Judge Dredd, which is still being shopped around to networks for it's, a television show yes uh oh. titled mega city one which from um carl urban who has played amazingly that judge dread on the the past one he's good. he's got like a lot more money that he would have to be paid in order to play judge dread and he has recently been talking about he's given his blessing of he wants to come on do whatever they want to do with him Mm. But the direction that he sees that... Sounds sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple ideas. But he, he, he thinks that the direction that they are planning with this show, and it actually makes me think highly of it as well, is they're going to take some new judges, and it's mainly going to be following them around, because you don't always need to have Judge Dredd showing up. But he would show up randomly, and he's like, I would be happy to do that. Oh. Be in an episode here, show up randomly here, but Mega City One is a huge city right. that has multiple judges. Right. This can explore more of that city, hence it's going to be called Mega City One. I'm like, that is a cool concept it is. because you can, if you want to read more or know Dread, read more of the things or books and yeah. everything that he's in. 2080. Every year they come out with a comic on Free Comic Book Day that always has a Judge Dread story and does a very good job about wrapping the history into like a nice little bow to give you insight into that character speaking of characters <sighs> captain marvel uh, oh my god the internet was ablaze this past week i can't tell you how excited i am entertainment weekly had some shoots from yes from the movie and there was a lot to be revealed yes uh i will say this one of my previous co-workers I just as much as you love Jean Grey, she loves Captain Marvel. Oh. She has everything Captain Marvel. Nice. She had this really uh, amazing like scarf that like had the symbol, as well as a dress, full on dress that she bought that was 
just it looked key to the character and she was giddy as fuck i was giddy as fuck because it looks amazing yeah the new costume that they've introduced obviously the traditional captain marvel costume people were very worried about the previous images with the blue and turquoise star force costume it Mm -hmm. turns out to be uh oh the red and blue yeah and not only here's the thing that i've uh no, I'm not even going to touch on that point. I was going to say one thing that I was originally upset with casting, but then I realized, though, learning that Brie Larson didn't even really want to do this movie because she tries to avoid the limelight. Mm. She likes taking a lot more indie movies. She's like, now she can't go outside without people recognizing her. Yeah. Where She she oh, would be recognized, so but terrible. a lot less. Well, I mean, for, for people that are acting that truly are conscious of that, right. I think that's commendable and that she then has embraced it as much as she has, as well as hearing more and more of what this movie might entail. So we already know that the Kree have been introduced within the Marvel right. Universe, but we haven't seen Skrulls at all until now, and some of the set photos of a Skrull look really amazing. But I think the most amazing thing that I've seen is the young Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. They reverse aged him so well. Yeah. And not that he looks old now as he is, even though he is old. With his with that wig and everything, he looks so like 20, 30 years younger. Technology is pretty great. So I am oh, so looking forward to The other thing I'm very excited about for this movie is the introduction of her BFF or or whoever she ends up being, Maria Rambeau, which is nice because Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, gets a lot of credit for being the first female Captain America, or not Captain America, fine, Captain Marvel. She's not. She's not the first female Captain Marvel. Monica Rambeau was the first female Captain Marvel, and she led the Avengers for a very short time. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they've introduced Maria, or Monica, Maria, Monica's the old one. Sorry, (laughs) I've drank a whole bottle of wine, guys. This is Drunk on Comics. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't know if they're going to end up bringing her in as a character later, but the fact that her mother is there I thought was a nice little homage to the fact that she wasn't the first female Captain Marvel. So, it's good. Little stuff like that I think is important for fans. Alright, uh, that's it for news here. So you got... I don't really have anything... Else? Amazing to share, no. Alright, um, then let's move on to Booze in a Book. Booze in a Book this week is Justice League number 7. Uh, this is the conclusion to this first 7-issue story arc of the totality and the Legion of Doom. Is this the one with Doom. all the, the teams, or is this post-teams? This is post-teams now. Okay. And this That was kind of setting up within this uh, new Justice League. And uh, with Luther uh, making his own Legion of Doom. And there was talks of who this like seventh person was going to be. There's these seven energies. There's a lot of stuff going on that you really you need to have read all these two kind of grasp what the fuck is going on. I'm not going to reveal much, but you may remember me talking about within, I think it was issue number one or two, when the team has been making fun of Batman and they were doing like their Batman voices or what <laughs> Batman would say. And... That's so true to life. We finally got 
uh, Superman's take on Batman, oh which everyone like on the comms like go, oh that's perfect, oh that is, and Batman be like, that's not me. And... <laughs> but you, you could tell when it is because they they did it really like in all the other ones too. They would be talking dialogue, and then it would be really bold faced too, as if they're talking like I'm this. <laughs> yeah. Where's the trigger? <laughs> That in of itself uh, is worth picking up this book, but, but everything else. And I don't want to reveal too much of some of the other crazy things that happen within here. And so I'm just going to pair it with a drink that has a little bit of nuance towards what's in it. And it's that the barista from Clown Shoes. Because the barista, the bottle, has a picture of an angel with wings, which is a big part of this, this book. But also it's brought to you by Clown Shoes, which also is a huge thing within this book. At least a big reveal towards the end is probably my most spoiler-free. <laughs> it's pretty spoiler-free. That I can do. It's enough nuanced that people can probably pick up on what you're trying to refer to. Yep. Well, that's it for me this week. Me too. Off to work I go. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> he sounds not excited, but really he is because it means money. <laughs> that is true. Uh, stay thirsty for more Drunk on Comics.